0: Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida.
1: And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 9th, episode 2,993. Good morning, horse world.
2: When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider.
1: On today's show, Tevis winner Gabriella Blakely, the mother of the 2019 champion, tells us about her adventures on America's toughest endurance race. Jennifer Kaplan shares her experiences as she tied for first place with Kelly Stoneburner at the Big Horn 100 in Wyoming last month. Plus, the endurance tip includes some tips for how to prepare yourself for your first vet check. Listen in.
0: All right, cool. I'm excited about this today. It's always fun when we get to talk to the Tevis winner. Cause there's always stories.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm sure you know everybody that does Tevis has stories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, her whole family has stories. I mean that's the story her here family. is the family. <laughs> it's like
1: the whole family. Yes. They're incredible.
0: Before we get to talking about the—we always go over the numbers from Tevis every year. Before we get to that, I wanted to mention that Devin Horn and I interviewed the winners of the Mongol Derby. Uh, we interviewed them last night. They'd just gotten home from, from Mongolia. And you can find that on the Stable Scoop podcast. So just look for Stable Scoop on your podcast players, and you'll find that we interviewed the joint winners of the Mongol Derby. It was one of the most exciting finishes in Mongol Derby history. So— uh, they have a lot to say about it, and uh, there's some neat ladies, cool. so one's from South Africa, one's from Wyoming, and we got to spend about a half an hour with them last night, and of course, Devin was geeking out because she's ridden it three times. So, uh, you know, it was it was a lot of fun to speak to them. We always speak to the winners of the Mongol Derby, and starting tomorrow, this is uh, Tuesday, starting tomorrow, the second Mongol Derby leaves. Uh, they're heading out tomorrow, so they did wow. that because it's makeup for the COVID year. So oh,
1: okay! Wow, that's, that's why they're
0: doing two this year. So the ones who are really getting the brunt of it this year are the support crew. So they're uh, <laughs> they're having to do two in a row. Um, but yeah, so it would be fun. We'll be following along there. There's lots of good riders in that. Some endurance riders as well. Well, they're all endurance riders if you're doing a thousand kilometers. But uh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's talk about Tevis, which, uh, as we mentioned every year, is one of the toughest races here in the United States. So let's talk about it.
1: Or the world. Yes. So it looks like 59 out of 131 finished. That makes the completion rate 45%, which is actually the sixth lowest completion rate since 1996. There were 72 pull. Explain
0: that for non-endurance.
1: So for people that do not finish because they heavily vet, there's veterinarians along the way, you've got multiple vet checks. It's like as you ride it seems like you're constantly getting on and off to do a vet check <laughs> so but that's because they wanted to ensure the safety of the horses so out of the 72 that were pulled 22 were lame 18 metabolic 14 rider option 9 over time six not reported and one surface factors which probably means either a a you know it could be a rub for for something or some sort of uh you know maybe the horse fell and and dinged up its knees or something like that and one did not start
0: um, so what do you think that the so obviously sixth lowest completion rate since 1996 what was there a reason weather or
1: you know I, i'm still thinking you know normally it's about a 50 50 right around there chance so uh, I'm thinking we're still dealing with the COVID repercussions mm. of people not getting to go to as many rides.
0: That makes sense. I mean, it does you know, make sense. I, yeah.
1: I, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's you, you just, you, you never really, t- you know, horses are horses.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is true.
1: So, so you don't know. Um, it, it, it's just, it's a, it's a, you know, crazy time we live in. So, uh, you know, just, you know, we aren't, you know, a lot of people aren't getting to, Go to as many competitions, not just from COVID, but now we've got these insanely high gas prices,
0: yeah, and the heat which this year too. Yeah, kind
1: kind of grounding people, you know. And then you know, as on for those of us on the West Coast, we have what we now call fire season. So, uh, you know, you got the fire smoke. So, even if you're not affected by directly by the f- actual fire, this whole wide region is affected by the fire smoke.
0: you mean breathing's important than endurance racing? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? So Who one of the stats thought? you have here that I thought was interesting, and is thirty three of the fifty nine finishers completed after four a m. So uh, there were a lot of them coming in at, at the last minute, right? right.
1: in in the last hour. Which is where a lot of them often do come in, and um, it, you know that's just Tevis. I mean, you're getting, I you know every time I when I go to turn off my whatever it is, my phone, my GPS, whatever. When when I've done Tevis, it's like I've been up for at least thirty hours.
0: It's just crazy.
1: <laughs> so it's it's definitely a test of endurance for, you know, the horse and the rider and for everybody else involved, the, all the volunteers and the crew. It's it, it's tough. I I've often felt that crewing is even harder than riding. At least riding you get something out of it, you know.
0: It's So tell us about is, the winner uh, who we're going to talk about or going to talk to a little bit later in the show.
1: Okay, Gabriella Blakely. she has sixty eight hundred and sixty five endurance miles from two thousand and five was when she started. Uh, she's actually won all five of her rides in twenty twenty two.
0: Oh, she's
1: having or a good she year, huh? <laughs> She's having a really good year. So uh, her horse is named Pyro. He's got 25 completions since 2016, 11 are first place completions, and six more are second place. He has 1,590 miles at age 13. He's done Tavis two times previously, where he finished sixth and second.
0: You realize if you guys were in show jumping or raining, uh she would have a lot of money in her bank account this year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, t- yeah. doing Tavis <laughs> and being an endurance writer, it just <laughs> – cost too many. Yeah, it doesn't. It's only a one-way flow out.
0: <laughs> you know, you keep trying to use those blue ribbons to buy gas. Never works. It never <laughs> works. I
1: know. I know. And, but her her entire family has done extremely well in the sport. Her daughter won the Tavis. Uh, Sonoma won in 2019. And her son, um, Barack, won the Hagen Cup. And we interviewed him when when he did that so um the the, yeah there it's it's amazing they've they've definitely got it going on
0: (laughs) (laughs) well and she's ridden you know gabriella has ridden it tevis nine times with eight buckles and five of those being in the top 10 not too shabby i bet you she was really excited Well, we'll find out i mean after all of that being in the top 10 five times a win is nice. <laughs> a, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty and, cool. And we'll talk about it. But she had a race too. I mean, it wasn't till the very end when she pulled ahead. I mean, she had somebody riding. You know, they were riding within four minutes of each other the whole race. So, uh, yeah, it it really was kind of like the Mongol Derby this year. It was uh, it was a nail biter till the end. Wow. <laughs> well, very cool. I'm I'm very excited we get to talk to her a little bit later. But you, when are you going to You got Jovi in training and I assume Jovi's doing so well that you're going to be at Tevis next year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. <laughs> back up, Glenn.
0: <laughs> I tried.
1: <laughs> I know. No, you know, he definitely I mean he's bred for it for sure. He's got it in his jeans, literally. Um, but we're still we're just now working out the loading him back in the trailer when I trailer him someplace to ride. So yay, we got that the last trip. A week or so ago, where I went and rode him, and then actually he went back in the trailer right away instead of taking forty-five minutes. So we there is so much
0: to learn. It's not just the riding part, right, and getting used to deer and cars and people and bikes.
1: I know every horse
0: is different, and they got to use the trailering. But in your case, they also got to get used to camping, which is another thing, right? Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: you, you got it. There's all these little details to work through, you know, every little thing. And, and uh, he's coming along though. He's, he, we are coming along. We're getting the conditioning, you know, like I wrote him out and another, you know, I trailered him over to California and we rode him up to an Alpine Lake and, and back and, you know he's wonderful. Like the mountain bikes can come along and from behind or in front, and that doesn't phase him. Nothing like that phases him anymore. So we're,
0: well, we're progress. We're
1: making we're yeah. making progress, and he's getting fitter and stronger. And and uh, you know the the main thing he's got in his favor is he's just a hoover. He loves to eat. Uh, that's.
0: Well, that's As good, right? I most mean, gildings,
1: yeah. they live to eat. That's their goal in life.
0: I know mine is. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mine's that way. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: So uh, you know that's a that's a good thing. So we're we're getting there. So hopefully, you know, we'll I'll you know decide soon which ride I want to take them to and uh, get them out there. And then you know, part of our you know training experience is getting them. Exposed to stuff, so when I do take him to a ride, his brain doesn't explode.
0: Well, wow, and one of those things you're going to have to get him exposed to is a vet check, which leads us into your endurance tip. That was a beautiful transition, My endurance right tip, there. Karen. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> so,
0: so, what is your I, endurance tip for that?
1: I have a tip today. We're going to talk about for for those that are maybe new at the sport, or you just want to, uh, you know, listen in. We've got a tip on how to get through your first vet check on an endurance ride. So uh, the first thing is to keep your vet card where you can access it easily. So as you ride into the vet check, you want to be able to pull your vet card out. uh, Either as you hop off or while you're still mounted, you want to be able to find your vet card. That way you keep things moving along and you don't hold people up, you know, cause a traffic jam. (laughs) <laughs> basically so if uh what I like to do especially if it's a hot ride is I dismount prior to the vet check and I walk or jog in and you can use this time I often will loosen my horse's girth a hole or two or maybe also pull my bit off of the horse if I'm riding with a bit and then the horse they learn very quickly you know that they're going to be getting a break coming up so you know once you do those things they know and if I'm carrying water bottles and I have any water left in them I go ahead and wet their neck with it to help cool them down and that is always helpful now if it's cold if I have A rump rug like say I know it's already cold and windy or raining or snowing then I usually start the ride with a rump rug and so then I will loosen up the rump rug and pull it down over my horse's rear end and that will keep them because now you're going to be stopping so you don't want them to get chilled so Mm -hmm. that will help keep them warm so I'll do that um The first thing as you come into the vet check is uh, if there's water, you want to let your horse drink, of course, first thing. Um, But also, you want to get your pulse taken as soon as your horse reaches criteria. And this is something that you'll want to do when you practice and do your training rides with checking your horse's pulse so you know where they're at with their recoveries and stuff, so you'll know when you want to go in and get your pulse checked. So then, as soon as you get your pulse checked, you're going to want to pull your tack and head to the vet. You know, not every ride wants you to pull your tack, depending on the check and and so forth. But if so, you pull your tack, you you head to the vet. You know, make sure by this point, hopefully you've been able to get your horse to drink. And then if you do end up having a line for vetting or for even pulse checking, depending on the ride, some rides are much bigger than others and don't have enough, you know, a lot of volunteers. So you end up in a, you know, kind of a quagmire there waiting. That's where I carry a baggie of feed on my saddle uh and I pull that out so I can feed my horse while we're waiting or other rides may have some hay available so you grab that and so you know you try not to waste time doing nothing you know because your horse is going to be hungry so you try to feed your horse you know while you can um and then after that, you, go, you get through the vet check. You want to have your vet hold area already pre-set up as much as you can. Uh, if it's in camp, then you can do it ahead of time. If it's in a away check, then you're just going to grab your crew bag. But you want to be able to have everything as prepared ahead of time as you can. Your bucket's. You know, baggies of feed, your hay, you know, your personal items for you, your human food and drink items. And then once you do that, you want to make sure, you know, you can set a timer. Sometimes that works. Or if you have any crew help or somebody with you to remind yourself and plenty of time to tack back up to be ready to leave on time because, you know, depending on, you know, how you're writing and your time, you know, like we've been talking about Tevis, you can't waste time. You need, you, you can't afford to waste five or 10 minutes at every check because it adds up. So you got to make sure you get yourself, you know, you know, give yourself a, a little kick in the butt and get yourself out there and get, tech back up, get ready, be ready to go ahead of time so that you're not, you know, racing the clock or, or feeling rushed. So you got to make sure you're, you know, getting yourself together and getting everything ahead of time.
0: I assume that uh, you're eating, you're, you also have to eat, right? So um, you have to eat something. Yep. So are you usually mm-hmm. using bars or what? what do you do?
1: Yeah, well, you know, the For me, the main thing is first I got to take care of my horse. That always is the first thing. And then then the rider has to take care of themselves, because if the rider doesn't take care of themselves, I mean, that also kind of includes taking care of the horse. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you're you
0: know, you're not you're not going to make it to 4 a.m. (laughs) <laughs> that's
1: right. Exactly. So, yeah. You're not going to be able to be capable of taking care of your horse. So you got to, you know, you got to look at it that way. So it's super important. You got to drink, you've got to eat, you got to, you know, that's why the training rides are important. So you learn what you like to eat or drink while you're out there riding all day long and and that is super important so you got to keep up your electrolytes your hydration y- eating something whether it's a packet of goo or um y- you know a peanut butter sandwich or whatever it is you know i i know over the years i've changed with like the types of food i like to eat from you know one ride to the next sometimes i like one thing, and then another time that just it's like, ew. <laughs> and then another time you want something totally different. So you got, so that's where it's, it's good to pre plan and, you know, have a variety of stuff so that if all of a sudden what you always wanted to eat before turns your stomach, now you, you have at least another choice, whether it's nuts or, you know, a banana or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, you've got to, you know, you, it's always good to have a plan A, B and C. (laughs) Like
0: with anything in life.
1: (laughs) Like with anything. Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) So, so how do you think about how many calories you'll eat in a day? At a, especially on the hundreds?
1: No, no okay. never, never. Okay. Most rights, you know, if I do a 50, I usually will um, lose weight, but it's not been unheard of for me to gain weight. <laughs> <laughs> You know, especially the rides where they provide all the food and they're giving you barbecued hot dogs and yeah. And yeah, uh, so that there is that. But you know, when you're right, if you're riding for hours, um, yeah, d- calories are not, yeah, don't even, that's yeah, not an issue.
0: <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Well, we're, um, I you know, if you want to go back and take a listen to this again, uh, that would be terrific. And also, I should probably post this over on our Horses in the Morning Facebook page, just the complete list so everybody has it. So that's what I'll do. I'll post it over there. So if you want to find it, just search for Horses in the Morning on Facebook. And now it's time to go to Kristen over at Distance Depot, who's going to talk to us about some new custom stuff they have going. Distance Depot has some new designs. You guys do so much custom stuff, but apparently you have some new designs for your custom stuff.
2: We do. We're really excited. We've brought in, um, most of our customers probably know these Southwestern designs. We've newly rebranded from, um, we used to call them Navajo, but we're trying to be a little more politically correct about that. And so we changed it and rebranded completely to Southwestern Overlay Designs. So we brought in nine new designs, which is super exciting because we have now ones that go with pink and purple and some of the brighter blues. And even we have one called Sunset Skies, which is really pretty with lots of oranges and yellows. So for those that, um, you know, we just didn't, some of those other designs really didn't play to those colors very well so now we're we've got those nine new ones in and we're really excited about that so a total of 17 of those southwestern designs now
0: and what can they get them uh, on what products
2: um yeah so they can put it on the bridles as an overlay or an accent color so across the brow the nose and the breast collar like down the chest pieces they can even have it on the ends of their reins so it's kind of just a different thing from you know either the matte finished beta overlays or the shiny overlays so the the southwestern designs are more of a like similar to a nylon material but they come in really cool fun like I say fun designs. so rather than just one solid color they have these neat um, southwestern designs and so it makes it really unique and And there are so many options now. I was just looking at the color chart, which for those that don't know, we have a whole page dedicated to the color chart on our left-hand side navigation menu under TAC. And we now have three color charts. So we have the main color chart, then we have the Southwestern design color chart. And with that, um, we give you on the Southwestern design and the camo um, color chart, we give you some suggestions. So we'll put the beta colors next to the other designs so that you'll know sort of which colors go with it. Of course, you can make your own decision. Um, And we do tell folks if you want snippets, you want to see some of these colors in person because color monitors always show things a little differently so it's really hard to get an mm-hmm. accurate description of every color. We do our best, um, you know, to show them to you and give you a good idea. But since it's custom and basically sort of non-returnable, um, we want you to be happy with it. Call us, email us with your address, and ask us for some snippets, and we'll pop them in the mail to you. Happy to do that.
0: Wow, that's really cool. But I
2: was, yeah, I was looking at the colors, and I'm sure at this point we, I'm safe to say we we probably have the largest color selection um in the industry we have about 85 colors between the camos i know it and the reflect colors and all the shiny biofans and the matte finish so so many options um can't even you know it's like sonic drinks how many options do they have (laughs) (laughs) but anyway yeah so we're really excited about that
0: very cool and i know that you have some you you mentioned that you have cloud stirrups back in stock kind of explain the cloud stirrups
2: Okay. Well, the Cloud Stirrup is an aluminum um, leather-covered endurance stirrup, and they have different size top bars. Um, The quality of this product is amazing, and we sold these, I can't even remember, for so many years, and then... As things progressed over the years, she was having, the gal that owned it at the time was having more trouble getting in the quality of leather that she was happy with. And she finally just said, you know, it's not up to par. I'm not going to make these anymore. Ended up selling the company and it's been repurchased. And I just got these in and they look as beautiful as they ever did. The leather on these stirrups is amazing. Um, They are a heavier stirrup. They have a really wide footbed um, so that your feet don't fall asleep. You know, the balls of your feet don't fall asleep and you can move your foot around, but perfect for endurance. Um, They're just fabulous. I can't say enough about them. The footbed has a big old cushion on the bottom. um, So super comfortable and the foam stays fresh and thick for You know, I'm pretty sure they claim forever. But if it, you know, should ever go down, you can always contact them. And I have a pair that I don't know how old they are. They were handed down to me, and the foam is still going strong. So, But they're unparalleled. They're just a fabulous stirrup.
0: Aren't these the ones that they also have the – you can get them with the cage in the front of the foot?
2: Yes. Yeah, I thought the leather
0: cage, yeah, yeah
2: yeah yep. and the leather cage is gorgeous, too, and we're bringing them in. It's hard. they're all handmade. Um, the company is in Canada, um so it's a, in a kind of a process, and right now, I mean, I think we've sold a half a dozen just in the week week and a half that we've had them, wow. and they just keep going out. I saw another pair go out today, but yeah, so I'm bringing in the cages too, so we will have we're trying to keep stock of these, but Mm-hmm. Um, ordering or trying to order them thirteen at a pair, I'm keeping their elves busy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but we're excited to have them back for sure. Well, Kristen, tell us what's your
1: uh, phone number and your web
2: address. Okay, well, they can folks can call us toll- free 866-863-2349. That two three four nine that is on the website. and our website is wwwdistancedepot dot
1: Our first guest this morning is Jennifer Kaplan. Jennifer just finished tied for first place with Kelly Stoneburner at the Bighorn 100 in Wyoming. She lives in Montana and has been riding endurance for 20 years. She has over 7,000 miles, including eight 100s and 10 best conditions. Good morning, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, so I'm excited to hear about your ride at the Big Was All this
3: right. your first was, was this your first time doing it? No, it was my third completion, my fourth attempt. Okay. Well, what can you tell us about the ride? Well, this ride is a monster. <clears throat> it's <laughs> uh, a lot of elevation, a lot of big country. Um, the volunteers are incredible, but they are sparse. So you better be ready to, to ride with not seeing many people on the trail. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lots of, lots and lots of fresh water, really good grass, um, amazing views. Uh, you can get a pretty good hailstorm in there, or it can be a hundred degrees. This is the hardest, hardest ride I've ever done. But I have never done Old Dominion, and I would like to try that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. And this is one of the biggies. It's uh, you know, I've never made it out to Bighorn, but I love to hear about it. <laughs> so, so tell tell us how what was the ride like this year?
3: Um. Well, ride camp. You know, you got to You got to factor ride camp into your into your program because it's hot. And there's not any shade. So, you know, you've got the day before the ride, 100 degrees of no shade. Wow. Um, The people who sponsor the ride camp are very generous with their water and come around and fill your water buckets. And they they do the very best they can. But it's it's really, really hot and dry. Um, And let's see, we started, everybody started, the 50s and 100s all started at 4 in the morning, which um, worked out just fine. And, um, you know, you, you get going and it's, it's fairly cool and you're, uh, you, you're able to get up onto the mountain before it gets hot. And you just climb and climb and you really have to make time where you can. And you have to be very careful where, when the footing's tricky because it, it, it can be tricky. Um, so tell us ahead. about your horse that you rode. I rode Rogelio, and he is amazing. I bought him in 2019 from Rusty Toss, and he was getting out of the out of the business or out of the the racing. Mm-hmm. Um, I went down and rode him at a EDRa ride down in Scottsdale, and I rode him in a relay down there, and I fell in love with this horse. He's big and calm. And How tall really is he? Goofy. He's sixteen hands, soft 16 hands. He's a purebred and he's got huge, huge bone. He's uh, when I first started riding him I felt like I was riding a draft horse by the size of his shoulders and his neck. Uh-huh. But he's not super handy with his feet. He's getting a lot better, but he's kinda heavy in the front and bump, bump. but he's he's really a amazing, wonderful, quiet beast
0: i love him well on those narrow tracks there that you were talking about on the top of the mountain you're here so he he has a little control <laughs> over his feet because otherwise he we does. would not be talking to you
3: <laughs> it's true. He, does, he does have some control you just kind of got to throw him the rein and trust that he's going to do it but you can't uh-huh. manage him because he, he can't change you can't change midstream on that horse
0: mm. <laughs> it's good to know when you're you're at a 12 inch wide trail right
3: uh, uh, yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah Pretty much.
4: So.
1: Well, 16 hands is pretty good size though. How, how do you manage? Wh- like I've heard, there's a lot of gates.
3: So um, how do you, how are, do you do that? <laughs> well, Kelly and I switched off on the gates. She was riding a bigger horse than I was. Her horse, I think was
2: 16, two
3: is a warm blood. blood cross. And okay. she was a really nice horse too. Um, But you know, you look for a rock. I used to laugh at people that had to get have a rock (laughs) to get on. But now I'm 55 and I have a 16 hand horse, and um, I have a lot more compassion.
2: Uh But I look for a rock,
3: or you just sometimes you just got to muscle up and deal with it. But a lot of the gates were open this year, headed down the mountain, so that was very helpful. I would say over half of the gates down the mountain were open, and I would also say don't let the gates scare you. I mean, if you're going to be scared of, of opening and closing gates you probably shouldn't go to bighorn anyway because it's like i said it's a big ride
1: yeah yeah so what was your favorite part of the ride this year when i finished
2: (laughs) (laughs) when i crossed the highway and had like
3: this two mile back into camp um but no honestly my favorite part of the ride was I don't know. You know, I I had a really nice time riding with Kelly. I I was by myself the first 30 miles, and then we kind of linked up, and I wasn't sure how it would go. But she's a really nice person and uh, really made the time pass well. Um, And so it was nice meeting somebody out there and and sharing it with them. Oh, good. And your horses did well together? They did. They did really well together. They're fairly well matched. Okay. So tell us, how did
1: you get started in the sport?
3: Um, well, I, I, I met somebody, a woman named Joni Brucker. I don't know if she still rides. Um, and she was all interested in it and and she was going hard and I was in my young thirties and I had two little kids and it sounded like an adventure. And, uh, so I thought I'd give it a try. I had a warm blood at the time and I don't know. It just, it just sounded like I like to ride fast and I like to ride for a long, long ways. Uh It sounded like a good fit. So. I went to a couple rides, and then I took my kids, and it was something we could all do. Do your kids still ride? Oh, no. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. I, uh, they they weren't super into it, and I was like, well, this is what we do, and so we're going. And you've got I got them good horses, and we did it. And when they got old enough to say, uh, no, I don't want to do this. I want to go to some team. I want to hang uh-huh. out with my friends. Other stuff. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I had to listen. And and, but mom's still definitely
3: devoted. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still doing it. I'm still I'm still out there.
1: So, um, tell us a little more about your horse.
3: Um. Well, I mean, what what do we want to know? He's a twelve year old. Um. He was kind of a flatlander. And how many
1: hundreds has he done?
3: He has done. I did Tevis with him last year, so. He and I have done two together and then, uh, Rusty had him down in Arizona and he did a hundred down there an Edra hundred.
2: Okay. And,
3: um, I think that's it. I, so he's, so he's got the three and okay. he's, um, he's a Zell horse. I don't know if any, I don't know much about Breen, but I do know that he he's a, a Zell horse. So, um,
4: he, yeah, you got,
3: you got to be calm with him. You can ride him in a halter sometimes. But but then <laughs> I made that mistake on the third loop at Bighorn and put him in a halter and then we went. He didn't to, do so well. Yeah, as a team yeah. in a halter. He's good in the front in a halter, but but not not so much doing doing more like a team. I uh, get uh, that. <laughs> yeah, done that and if myself. If you're going to go to Bighorn, yeah. if you're gonna go to Bighorn <laughs> I recommend pads. I definitely recommend pads because there's a lot of rock.
1: Pads or boots? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Pads or boots, but you can lose a boot.
0: So. so, Jennifer, what, what, <clears throat> there's always something that scares people, right? I mean, in anything you do. What's the scary thing for you on rides? Mm.
3: It depends on the horse, honestly. It depends on the horse. Uh, I have one horse that it, the start is dreadful, so I can't sleep the night before because I just know the start is going to be terrible. But once we hit the
0: trail, he's okay. What, what's what's um, he doing the start?
3: Uh, he's got horrible anxiety. He shakes, he bucks, he wants to run off, um, he paces, he doesn't eat the he doesn't eat in camp unless he's got a friend. I mean, not at all. Um, uh, but he's a wow. really he's a really great horse and he's a rush Creek horse. Um but but he gives me a lot of anxiety, but it's kind of worth it. Um, with Rogelio um you know, he doesn't give me too much anxiety. He did. He did want to buck a little bit at the beginning, just a little bit, and he he did buck me off pretty hard this spring and on a training ride. So, I mean, I had I had that um, anxiety, but yeah. you know, once you're, it's usually the start. You know, I think once I get you get a couple miles under your belt, you're good to go.
1: Hmm. So. Yeah, and then once he gets more experienced. <laughs> It'll be 15 or 17 miles into the ride.
3: <laughs> exactly. Like it doesn't necessarily get better with the more experienced if they are a horse that really enjoys it, you know, like they want to get out there and they like to race. Yeah. And they see the yeah. horses in front of them. They want to pick them off and you've got your hands full trying to hold them in. So what advice would you have for somebody
1: that wants to go do big horn or their first, you know, big ride, a hundred or something?
3: I would say do, do your homework at home, ride the slow, long, tricky trails. Don't just go for those fast cruisers on logging roads or open country, like take your horse where you're going to build a bond, where you're going to have some trust. Like they trust you to go through the bog and through the brush and down, down the hill, you have to get off and lead them because it's just, just too, too steep or too many rocks. Do that kind of stuff so that when you get into something that you're not quite sure what's coming up ahead of you, you know that they trust you and you trust them. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. I would say it's less about speed and more about trust.
1: That makes good sense for sure.
3: So what are your upcoming goals? Um... Well, let's see. My upcoming goals, I'm going to go take my Wonder Pony and just ride a 30 with this young girl that I'm mentoring for her first 30. And I'm really looking forward to just having fun, showing her how you Mm -hmm. have your horse graze on the trail and how to deal with little obstacles. I'm actually really looking forward to that. Um, I am possibly going to go to the Autumn Sun Championships and try the 100 there and see how it stacks up how he stacks up but there's some pretty fierce competitors in the northwest region. So we'll see. I I I never like to try to win anything because then you can, you know, not even get a finish. I I'm not about the I like I I don't mind winning, but that's never a goal. Uh-huh. So um I don't know. I don't really have any really big goals. Bighorn was my goal for the year and I I'm not even thinking about next year yet, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, we just want to congratulate you on uh, finishing well on that ride. That's awesome. And thank, thank you. you for thank you for joining us this morning and good luck with the rest of your ride season. Well, thank you very much.
0: First, we have to talk about what hoof boots that you use when you ride Tevis.
1: Yes, I have done Tevis. Well, on Bo, he did all six of his Tevis completions using Renegade's. Um, we did the did the ride one year with the strap on boots, and then usually I did the glue on boots, which I have a love hate relationship with. I, um, you know, they're wonderful for a ride like Tevis, or if you want to have them on for a week or so, because um, you just put them on and leave them. You don't got to worry about anything. Um, the strap ons also are my preference, but you know, for some rides, if you really just don't want to have to worry about your hoof protection, then you go with the glue ons. But the strap on boots are nice because they're so easy. Um, they come in multiple different colors, they have a couple of different models uh, depending on your horse's hoof shape, and they are made in the United States. And you can find more about Um, Renegade Hoof Boots at renegadehoofboot.com. And next up is our guest, Gabriella Blakely, who is this year's Tevis winner. And we're looking forward to talking with her and hearing about her ride. So, good morning, Gabriella. Thank you for joining us.
4: Yes, good morning, Karen. Congratulations. Yay. (laughs) We're excited. I bet and you sure, are,
1: <laughs> and and your family has just done awesome in the sport altogether, but especially at Tevis, your daughter won the ride in two thousand nineteen, and your son won the Hagen Cup back in two thousand fourteen, and we interviewed him then. Um, so congratulations to all of you. Um, to, Thank so you. So let's let's uh, tell us about your ride this year at Tevis.
3: You know,
4: it, it went as smoothly as it could be. I was really amazed. Um, my horse, Pyro, was doing really well. We were, at first, really apprehensive if we should even go to Tavis because we had really only one top ten horse. And then we decided, well, oh, let's go down to California and do it because he was really doing super well and he was on fire. And we're like, well, we might actually even have a shot for the win. And, um. Uh, Really from the beginning, I had the feeling he actually knew that he was doing really well and the whole hundred miles, he was just going strong. Um, we had a group of competitors where we really stayed together clear to Francisco. Um, and I thought that, uh, Christoph Schork who came in second and Heather Reynolds, we all three rode together. I really thought that they would give me a hard time winning because they really wanted, had the same goal. And all our three sure. seemed mm-hmm. to be really strong together and really moving well together. And so at Francisco, I thought, you know, I better make a move. I didn't really want to have the same finish that my daughter had in 2019, where she had to race and clear to the end. Yeah, she had like, quite better- a race. Race off, didn't she, with Jeremy he, Reynolds? He did, and they were next <laughs> to next, and you know it was really, really a exciting race. But I really didn't feel like that, so I better, I thought, man, I better make my move sooner. Uh huh. Uh huh. And so I took out of the wet check at Francisco, and uh, I always looked over my shoulder, and I expected hear the other two coming any minute. But uh, Pyro felt really strong, and I thought, God, I think I can hold that pace for the last 15 miles. And, yes, that's what Pyro did. Yeah. He's like, let's go home. Yeah, that's quite some terrain to
1: be racing over. So tell us about Pyro.
4: Um, He seems, we got him, we actually bought him as an investment. We wanted to, um, on on dream horse and he's from Utah. We are from Oregon and we thought he's a really good solid horse. We just wanted to, um, yeah, pretty much put some raises on him and sell him again. But, um, we just fell in love. We did pretty much my first ride on him. I felt like this horse is special. He has quite the motor in the back and pretty much everything about him is just right we like his personality he's really level headed he's racy without being hot and crazy he just loves to go fast and um, powerful and he,
1: athletic everything. he's 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 an arabian and and how tall is he and what you know what else, what else can you tell us about him
4: he's a purebred arabian 153 okay he was, yeah he's pretty tall, long, leggy, and he's a pretty hard keeper. He's always on the skinny side. And so he's the special guy that always gets the grain. And um, he started our country, western or country pleasure. And the previous owner, he did actually excel there too. But the owner said he's a little lazy. He didn't really care for the arena work. And so that's why right. she told him he wasn't flashy enough. And so we got him for the trail. And he just absolutely loves to be out in nature and and really eating up the trail.
1: Wow. That's so cool. And is he, what color is he? He's a bay. He's a bay. And okay.
4: He's uh-huh. really pretty boy too. So he's good for the eye. <laughs> yeah. So do you, pr- are you,
1: the one that mainly rides him?
4: Yes. Yeah, he's pretty okay. much my horse.
1: Okay. I mean,
4: my and for a while, our daughter was riding him. We thought that would be a good match, but they didn't flick as much.
1: Oh, okay. Well, cool.
4: So tell us, how did your
1: family get involved in the sport of endurance?
4: Um, it was pretty much through a friend who moved up from California, Dolly D care. And she did the Travis cup Uh uh, before. And just talking about the Travis cup, we are like, we have to do that. That's (laughs) so exciting. And we just, um, I had a quarter horse that my husband got me as a present because I grew up by in a city and I never could afford a horse, but my husband knew that, um, I loved horses and so he got me a quarter horse and, um, I really didn't know how to ride Western and we didn't get along that great. And, um, <laughs> so my husband, he just got a horse to the two of us. Um, it's easier to ride together and he ended up with an Arab. And so hearing about Havis, um, he's like, well, I have already my Arab. So he was starting to train a little bit. And so then I traded my quarter horse for an Arab. And pretty much the rest is history. We trained (laughs) and then ended up with seven. Yes.
1: And now you have nearly 7,000 miles.
4: (laughs) Yeah. And we thought we would just do it for a little bit and then be bored with the sport, maybe after all the same trails. Uh But uh, it seems like it's only getting more addicting. <laughs> because there's so much to learn about that sport, you never are done learning. So and every horse is different, and
0: so winning people, Tevis, you're not going to quit now and retire.
4: Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a good time to end. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How did you prepare for Tevis this year? What kind of training did you do?
4: Um, we do a lot of um, speed work and uh, hills and. Then we we did about three three local races. Um, they're kind of fast fifty milers. And so yeah, this was we,
0: the first hundred he had done this year. Yes. Okay. And will you will you use him for another hundred or will he be done for hundreds this year now?
4: Um, there is one at the end of October and we might go just for a pleasure hundred. But we're not quite sure he might just be off of the year and just have vacation.
0: Now, you at, because the, we, at the end of this race, you were, you were, I mean, you were basically neck and neck with who was right behind you, uh, that you were uh, Christoph Short. Yeah. You were riding Christoph. with Christoph all the whole time, pretty much. Uh, and then it wasn't till the very end when you pulled ahead.
4: Yes, that's right.
0: Did and you, did you know where he was at that point?
4: Um, No, I, it was 15 miles to go and I just thought I just pick up the pace and I was just hoping that he wouldn't, I I was out the vet check two minutes ahead of him, but I didn't know how much because he was behind me. But then when I really, um, cranked up the pace, I was just hoping that he wouldn't. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I just had no idea. I, I, could expect him any minute behind me
3: sure that's so then like at the
4: next at the next vet check at the quarry when I came in I was just kind of curious where he would be and so when I was leaving that vet check he came in so I knew I had a really good a
1: lead uh-huh.
4: lead and then I could take the last six miles a little easier
1: that's great that you had so much horse left that point in the ride wow that's so cool so i know there's a big controversy right now over the headlights what what do you think about riding with the headlights? well first
0: of all tell us what the controversy is karen
1: um you know just that it can blind other horses uh
0: What, what do they want as option no light at all
1: I, I'm not really sure. Because um, <laughs> any I know, kind of
0: light's going to blind, right? I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, you know, and it makes it challenging. You know, some headlights are really blinding because they're just too bright. So, you know, it, it does make it difficult when you're on a narrow trail. You know, you don't want to blind your horse. But uh, on the other hand, you know, some horses learn to do really well with the lights. Um,
0: Gabriella, so, do you use one?
4: I have one. I always have it then on on my helmet, but I really feel like it is very important to have one for emergency because one time I did lose my boot and I was really happy that I had a headlamp so that I could put an easy boot on my horse.
2: Okay. Turning Uh a light
4: on instead of uh, doing it in the dark. So for emergency, I think it's very crucial to have a light along, but I mean, you don't have to have it. But at least in the saddle back or wherever. But I do think you need to have a good light. But I don't ride with light on because uh, I, I think that the horse travels better without a light.
2: Mm-hmm. And you have yeah. to just
4: trust your horse. And my, my dark riding, I mean, in the dark, was mainly when the, sun, uh, the moon wasn't up yet. So it makes right. it a little harder because it really feels when it's when you have the canopy of trees, it makes
1: It's really it dark. Better. Yeah, it's really dark in some of those spots.
4: But most of the right is when the moon is up and you see so pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what time I, I did you? What time did you finish? Um, ten twenty-ish.
0: Okay,
1: but, so you weren't a- even in the dark that long. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> Compared no. to the four AM finishers.
4: <laughs> that's right. And that's why I said the moon wasn't quite up yet. But I rode okay. in the dark, Tevis, with the moon and I find it it's beautiful. It's actually more beautiful to ride in the dark than with the headlamp on.
1: hmm Exactly. So
4: what's your favorite part of that ride? Oh, that is really hard to say. I I think from the very minute when you're in pen one everything is dusty and the horses are milling around and you have the start, it's it's just a really amazing feeling. And then when the sun comes up and you're riding through the wilderness, Brennan Teeth wilderness with this year with so many wildflowers, it was just really amazing and beautiful. And then I think every every little bit of it, I, I actually As miserable as the canyons are, I think that's one of the big challenges. Um, It's hot in the canyons, but it's really, I really like riding through them because of the challenge. And Mm -hmm. then when the coolness of the day um, sets in after a forest hill, um, that's a really nice trail too, going home. And the horse gets the second wind because it's getting Mm -hmm. cooler. And then you can really follow home. It's I, I can't say I have a favorite part. Every aspect of Tevis is beautiful.
1: Good answer.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, so do you? If somebody is listening and they want to ultimately do Tevis someday, do you have any advice for them
3: to prepare?
4: I just think, just um, train your horse to be in a good, solid condition. And then I think you can do Tevis. I, um, my very first 100 miler was Tevis. And, um, it was on a horse. I only, yeah, did fifties before, but he wasn't in, in good, solid shape. Nothing crazy. Uh-huh. And we just took it easy. And we came in like, I don't know, three or four four in the morning, we took it Just moderate and it was just the uh, most amazing experience. Even going this slow, it was just really beautiful when you're crossing the river and you have all the glow sticks and you feel like you're landing on the airplane going through the river. <laughs> and it is really nice. I don't know how to describe it. Anyways, you, you can go slow and really enjoy Kevin. and I think that's when we got hooked of doing Travis every year <laughs> and now and and so I really would I, I recommend everybody just get your horse in good shape and just do it
1: yeah your whole family now is involved <laughs> that's I know quite that's quite a commitment <laughs> Gabriella thank you so much for joining us and congratulations again to you and, and your whole family yeah thank you Karen.
0: Well, congratulations to everybody that rode at Tevis. Whether you finished or not, doesn't matter. You rode at Tevis. Um, and Bighorn. And Bighorn. And, uh, and all the other, other rides are, happening right now. Any other ride, yeah. <laughs> so uh, who won? We should acknowledge who won the...
1: The Hagen Cup. It was yes. Christoph Schork, who finished second, actually, for the second time on his horses named Ozzy. Finished second the year before as well. And he finished second this year and he won the Hagen Cup. So, congratulations.
0: You know, we learned in the Mongol Derby this year and we learned here how really important those vet checks are. You know, you, you gave your tips, but they make or break a race, right? So, uh, they mm-hmm. are so important. You know, the. We wouldn't have had the winners we had in the Mongol Derby this year had the leaders not had a two-hour penalty for respiration, I think it was, in one of the horses. So they had to sit out for two hours, and that's when the ladies pulled ahead and won the race. And And they won by 20 minutes. So it wouldn't have happened without that two-hour penalty. So vet checks are so important. I don't care what race you're doing.
1: Yeah. Definitely, for sure, you know, and and the horses, as they get more experienced, they learn the routine and how to get through them, and and the riders and their crews also learn how to get through them more efficiently. It's super important.
0: Well, there's all kinds of rides going on across the country and in the fall coming up, so where can people find those?
1: Uh, Go to org, and they have a new, freshly redesigned website, so it's you know, more modernized and up-to-date. It was pretty old. It looked
0: very 1990s.
1: uh, (laughs) (laughs) It did. Yeah, so now you can go and go to AERC.org and look up the ride calendar or rider history if you want to look. You know, sometimes it's good to see how other riders have ridden other rides, their timing and stuff like that. It's, you know... It's a good way to kind of educate yourself and also to help plan and prepare your own horse. Like say you have a ride coming up, you want to see previous years, you can go look up the ride results for that ride and see what typical ride times are and kind of factor that into your training and conditioning so that you know your horse you know, ahead of time can maintain a certain speed or pace for, for, you know, so long. And that helps you get more prepared so that you're ready to go and, and do a ride.
0: Well, I wanted to also say congratulations because we've heard over the last uh, couple of months about a number of our listeners who've tried endurance and are now endurance riders thanks to the show. Yay! So, so good job.
1: I know that's great.
0: And if you want to uh, become an endurance rider, too, you can find, as Karen said, you can find all of the information at AERC.org. It's AERC.org. And you can find all the past episodes of The Endurance Show. If you want to go back and listen to all Karen's previous tips and all that stuff, you can find all the past episodes. Just go to HorsesInTheMorning.com. Scroll down to the middle of the page. You're going to see a little endurance banner. Click on it, and that'll take you to all the past episodes right in One Place. There's, like, a lot of them because we've been doing this a long time. Uh, And uh, be sure to listen in next Wednesday as I am traveling the end of this week out to Oklahoma to be with Jamie so that we can do episode 3000 of Horses in the Morning together. It's a rare event in the podcasting world. It's only been happened a few times. So we're very excited to be the longest running daily podcast in in the world. And uh, we're going to celebrate episode 3000 with all of you guys. We will be doing doing a live Facebook feed to the auditor room, so if you want to become an auditor before next Wednesday, go to horsesinthemorning.com and click on the auditor banner for as little as $3 a month. You, too, can join the auditor group and be part of that uh, great Facebook page that's in there. And we look forward to hanging out with you next week as we celebrate our 3,000th episode. And Karen, you've been a big part of that, so thank you so much for being part of the Endurance uh, episode that we've been doing here every year every month for what must be nine years.
1: Nine go- going on ten. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so congratulations and thank you for contributing to toward that three thousand. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you. All right, everybody, we'll be back again tomorrow. We look forward to Jamie and I look forward to seeing you then.